0: Thank you guys for uh being here i'm excited i'm excited thank you joel for coming thank you uh for being a part of this um grace there you are awesome grace is my uh, kind of sidekick who lets me know when i'm disconnected when i'm not being clear uh but yeah it's awesome it's awesome thank you so much uh, florence for tuning in all the way from ronda It's a beautiful place to be right now. I don't know why you say that right now, but uh, Rwanda is green throughout the year. But thank you so much uh, for being able to tune in. Eric, glad to have you back. Please go ahead and share the show with friends and family. Let them know that we are live on Cabin d Now, we naturally feel that if we think something, it must be true because it comes from within us. But just because you think something does not make it true. And those are words of Rick Warren. Just because we think something, sometimes we think it is true. But just because you think something does not make it true. And Rick Warren continues to say that, as I said above, it has been the face of mental illness. He says so many different suggestions come into our mind. The world puts suggestions in our minds that are false and we are bombarded with those false ideas all the time. And of course Satan makes suggestions all the time. But your problem is much deeper than Satan. Everybody has a mental illness. And when I was reading this, I paused a little bit and said, what, everybody has a mental illness? And it says, we are all mentally ill. The mental illness is called sin. And the Bible uses that at least a dozen different phrases for the condition of our minds. Under sin. And let me see if I can attempt to just post this uh, for us. I hope it does allow, because I think this is going to blow your mind, this is going to blow your mind. Um, just give me a sec, give me a sec, let me see, there you go, it was accepted. And he said the Bible explains the condition of our minds, and listen to what it says, it says, one, our minds are, number one, confused, according to chapter 28, verse 20, our minds can be anxious, they can be closed, our minds can be evil. They can be restless. They can rush, uh, deluded. The Bible talks about a troubled mind. The Bible also talks about a depraved mind, a sinful mind, a dull mind, a blinded mind, a corrupt mind. And when you think about this and the description of our minds as human beings, it's, it's scary. Our minds are literally broken. By sin, which means we cannot trust even what we think ourselves. Jeremiah 17 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick or desperately wicked. Who can understand it? We have an amazing ability to lie to ourselves. We do it all the time. And and, and this is a statement I really want us to think about a few minutes now before I can ask Dr. John Norris to comment on. We have an amazing ability to lie to ourselves. And the truth is sin brings a lot of discomfort. And I think discomfort is an understatement. The actual words are pain and death. Sin brings a lot of pain and death for all of sinned and fall short of the glory of of God. It's true, all of us have sinned, and the wages of sin is death. Is is it possible, Dr. John, that we've continued to sin in search for comfort and relief from pain? And, 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 And we shall do everything we are trying to do we are trying to prolong our lives. It's it's more like the statement of uh, Darwin when he says "Survival for the fittest. Everything we are trying to do to prolong our lives and, and, and maybe reduce the pain is just leading us in more sin and in more sin. Let's go back to these words. When I talk about sin bringing pain and death or discomfort as the general word, let's go back to these words that were being used to describe the mind. And we will think of similar phrases that reflect the actual attitude of the human being when they're going through such moments in their lives. For example, for a troubled mind, the human being is saying, I could die soon. They're afraid of death. They're trying to prolong their lives. A depraved mind probably will be saying, I will seek pleasure at any cost. I want to be comfortable as much as I can. And I have this list posted for you in the chat. A sinful mind would be saying, others exist to bring me pleasure. And so guess what? I shall receive pleasure at the cost of other people. A dull or hardened mind is saying, I insist my way is will bring better pleasure. Not even God can stop me. That's a hardened mind. They've had the truth but they kind of are hardened because they are insisting their way is better. And they're saying pleasure will be, will be theirs at any cost and not even God can stop them. But a blinded mind in a way is saying, I choose not to look at life another way apart from my way. They're looking at life through this pipe. It's just blinded, they cannot see everything else. They're only seeing that which they're seeking. And the corrupt mind is saying, I can give you proof that my way is better. Now, I know that's a, that's a huge mouthful that we, we are talking about right now, but the, the question is, is I don't know how, if it's simple, but it's going to be short. We want to get into your mind right now, Dr. John, or into your life to understand you. Despite the pain that you've seen in this world, despite the death that you've experienced, uh, probably through loved ones and friends, um, that are, that is brought about by sin, what is your philosophy of life? dr john what are you thinking about every day what keeps you going what is your philosophy of life dr john
1: uh wow david that's a a, a broad uh, uh question but i think you framed it all based on what uh rick warren uh, uh stated here and i and i'm glad that you copied it for everybody uh because he's right and uh you know i have a lot of respect for pastor uh rick warren and um, he talks about that if we naturally feel, that if we think something, it must be true. And one of the things that, that I'm kind of learning to, to really understand in my own mind is that I have many thoughts that I have to test uh, to see if they're true. So So I, I you know, this whole concept, about what he's saying is true. In the natural man, when we think a thought, that thought often becomes a fact to us before we're actually um, testing it uh, to see if it's actually empirically true. And then he talked about how the world puts suggestions into our mind. And then he also said how Satan makes suggestions, and then Rick made this comment saying that the mental illness that we all have is sin, and then he went on, and of course, you copied and pasted a lot of what he said there regarding what kinds of sins and how that relates to the mind. I think, David, this illustrates um what I would consider a, a terminology that's important for my philosophy of life, because I don't necessarily think that we have mental illness. I think we have what's called the flesh. And the flesh is the part of our human natures that sin comes naturally to. So, so the idea of having a depraved mind uh, saying that I will seek my own pleasure at any cost uh, or a dull uh, or hardened mind saying I insist that my way is better, uh, not even God can stop me, That that isn't just a sinful mind. What that is is that the flesh, which is part of the spiritual uh, being that I am, Uh, it's almost as though I've kind of given in to the flesh. And I appreciate you, uh, you know, kind of starting us off in this direction because uh, in November, we're going to do three sessions on the flesh Uh, because the flesh is so relevant. uh, It's one of the two important, um, you know, Factors in the battle that's going on in our mind, and we talked about that a little bit when we went through um, uh, Romans seven and Romans eight, how Paul talked about this principle of the flesh, which seems to, you know, be that it's my way and I want it now, and I don't care who who hurts uh, because of of this. Uh, you know, I have to have things this way and I'll seek you know, to, to gratify myself and even at the expense of other people. And so I do think, now one of the thoughts that comes to me uh, that I think is relevant to the discussion that I've had with your listeners in the past is that what's interesting is that although Ezekiel 36, 26 describes a heart transplant where God says, I'm going to reach in and take from you the heart of stone and the heart uh, that is, is hardened toward me and the heart that is evil and and uh, depraved and desperately wicked. I'm going to take that heart and then I'll give you a heart and I'll give you my spirit to be within you. And And so God gives us those things, but God does not take from us our mind and he does not take from us our flesh so so those are the parts of our being our spiritual makeup that are really left over after God does the heart transplant. So there's no brain transplant in us. We still have a memory of all of the things that have happened in our lives before we came to uh, a place of, of knowing Jesus. And so I'd say uh, my philosophy on life uh, gets to kind of understanding, not just who Jesus is and what he came to do, but understanding who I am and what I am supposed to do with this life. And um, I think uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 is is probably, um, you know, kind of a a theme verse for me with with this philosophy where it says, uh, for it's by grace that we are saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. It's a gift of God so that no man may boast. But then it goes on to say in verse 10 that I am and you are, we are all God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he uh, made in advance for us to walk in. And so my philosophy of life is that, I, that I'm seeking first to understand God and then second, in the context of my understanding of God, I'm seeking to understand myself.
0: Wow, that's that, that's, a, that's a beautiful angle you bring in there. And I know we've covered this in the past. Um, when you talk about the flesh, um, I think Galatians is one that puts it very well as well. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. The life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved and died for me. Uh, that's, that's really a paraphrase. Uh, but it's interesting how every day he is working at us to kind of, in a way, sanctify us away from our old selves uh, to, to cause us to be new. And uh, from the summary of everything you've talked about, Dr. John, for you, which I believe should be the life philosophy for every believer, to know God understand him and understand me understand me i think we are brought into perspective do uh, we be better understand ourselves through the eyes of god that's the best way to understand ourselves and i love i love going back to um the fact that the bible is a double-edged sword it, it, it just cuts through bone and marrow and divides every intent of the heart every intent of the heart Well, let me give an opportunity to those of you who are listening in right now. Um, I do not know if Pod been upgraded, that you don't need earphones to call in anymore. I think you still do, or a headset. If you would like to call in right now and speak to Dr. John, please go ahead. Um, Just stop the call in button and maybe ask him a question or appreciate what he has done uh, in the last, let me see, six, seven, eight episodes that he has done with us and uh, three more coming up this november please go ahead and call in if you'd like to ask a question this is your opportunity i should have warned you before but please go ahead and call in i don't know if joel you're in a position to call in right now i see florence if you're in a position to call in right now and ask any question to dr john he's brilliant he doesn't have to prepare for your questions he has answers <laughs> always has answers, but please go ahead. Go ahead and call him if you'd like to. But allow me for the next couple of minutes as I wait for you guys to call in those who would like to, um, to just have a conversation with Dr. John, candid conversation, uh, if I can put it that way. I know he has so much he has prepared for us this evening, but Dr. John, um, imagining the listeners are not here and it's just you and i having a very very casual conversation what's the one question you wish people would ask you something you wish people would just ask you but they never ask (laughs) um well the, the one question that i
1: love uh and i get it uh not rarely but um you know, and sometimes from patients of mine, since I'm a physician, uh, they'll ask me, uh, can you help me to understand God? And uh, that is, for me, that is just a delight. It usually, what that usually uh, ends in is for for me, um, you know, inviting the patient to, uh, you know, to a dinner or a coffee or something like that. Because mm-hmm. I think that... Um, you know what God wants us to do is to be so comfortable with Him that He is part of our routine conversation, and that He's included in our daily lives in such a way that we're comfortable with Him uh, as if He were sitting there. And I mm-hmm. think that's the uh, when I, when I get someone who is is a. a someone like that, who's just a routine, uh, seeker. Um, you know, I delight to do that. And, um, oh, here's another one. I, another thing that I enjoy. Um, I had a, one of my patients who, uh, it's about two months ago now, I think, uh, he asked me, he said, would you do the wedding of my granddaughter? And, um, uh, his and I'm gonna do that actually Sunday. So tomorrow's the rehearsal dinner. they're They're from Dallas, Texas, but they're flying in to Florida to have a destination wedding. and I'm doing a a, a service this weekend. and and to me, just to to be, in a a joyful, uh, you know, kind of weekend celebration of people who are enjoying, uh, God, enjoying human relationships, uh, just enjoying the joy of the bride and the groom and kind of seeing that, uh, that's, um, you know, that's another question that I enjoy, uh, responding to. So, and, and I will say this too, David, when you say to me, hey, would you mind talking on our uh, podcast? Then that's another question that I like to respond to, uh, as you can tell.
0: Wow. It's, it's a privilege to have you here, Dr. John, explaining God uh, to us. I think you have a very brilliant, brilliant mind. And I know that's an understatement yeah. uh, coming from me. But I have never had a conversation with you that where I have left in vain. It has never happened, and I think that uh, I wish I can be known like that. That every person I talk to, I leave them enriched. Uh, sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes I end up. Uh, anyway, let's move on. With uh, Joel is here with us. Joel, thank you so much for joining us. Um, glad you've been able to just tune in do you have any question for dr john is there anything you'd like to share with us um that has been uh, helpful from the episodes we've covered but yeah you'll go ahead one minute let's take over
2: okay uh, thank you david thank you dr john i've enjoyed the different different episodes that we have shared with you. I just have one question uh, about the mind. Why is it that sometimes as a Christian, when you mostly in terms of addictions when you're fighting with addictions i tried it myself before where i would you know tell myself constantly constantly i won't do this again i won't do this again and i would even set routines where you know you try to replace the time of your addictions mostly mostly the sexual addiction. So you try to replace those moments, those time, that time with other things to make yourself busy and ETC and you put it your mind, you make it your focus, you read the Bible, you, know, you try all these things in the name of, I won't do this again, I won't do this again, I won't do this again. But it's like when you fall, you fall so hard. And you know, sometimes you start thinking as a Christian, really, is God with me? Am I going to fight this or this is part of me? And you start feeling it defines you. And like, I would want to get your idea. How can you deal with it in terms of your, how can we deal with our addictions in terms of the mind? How can you set your mind, you know, to go, how is it possible for you to surrender yourself and you know these addictions to God and you know because it seems the more you think about it and you set your mind and say I won't do it I won't do it it seems you seem to fall so hard. Thank you.
1: Yeah, that's an excellent question, uh, Joel, and I and I want you know I I that's one reason why in November, when we talk about the flesh, we're gonna spend three sessions on the flesh. Because what you described right there was using your mind and trying to will yourself to overcome what we call a stronghold. So when you have an addiction, whether that's uh, alcohol, Uh, or a thought addiction uh, or just a, you know, a a personality addiction. I'm addicted to other people's uh, praise of me and that sort of thing. Uh, You can try to win that war in your flesh and you will always fail. And so what exactly what you just described, I'm going to try hard. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to replace it with other things. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to do this. And and I'm going to you know pull myself up by my own bootstraps is what we say here in in the US i'm going to i'm going to make this happen and there's one major thing that you're missing and that is god Uh, you can't do it on your own. So when you have an addiction, whether that's, you know, a sexual addiction or a food addiction or, um, you know, an addiction to, uh, you know, gratitude from other people and and things like that, uh, you absolutely cannot win that on your own. And so we're going to talk about today and this week we've talked about how you, recognizing that there is a war in your mind and that that war in your mind is between the spirit and the flesh, uh, that's more than half the battle. So you're at war in your mind and and you can't win the war in your mind. That's the, the uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preempt the kind of the, the, the big answer for today is how do you win the war on your mind? You don't win. Jesus wins. The Holy Spirit wins. And when you're connected to him, your win is part of your relationship with him. And so uh, when we get to the weeks on the flesh and on the spirit, we'll talk about that in, in greater detail. But that's the answer is you can't you know, just will yourself. And many of times, I think uh, anyone who's been involved with Celebrate Recovery, uh, people with alcoholic addictions, uh, you know, uh, substance abuse, uh, drugs, uh, all these, it, 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 the, the common theme from everyone who has overcome an addiction is, I didn't do this on my own. God set me free.
0: It's that amazing that uh, even as believers, we actually think that we can do it by ourselves. Um, And and yet we can't, and yet we can't. And so thank you so much, Joel, for bringing that up. I'm looking forward, one, to uh, the rest of uh, this message tonight, but also in November as we look at the flesh. Let's answer one quick question, Dr. John, before you can uh, move on. Now that's coming from Grace Natalie. She's asking, as a physician, can you explain how healing entails the mind? How healing entails the mind?
1: Yes, David. I saw that question, and I think it's a great question uh, too. Uh, from Grace, uh, healing is um, is sometimes is is a bodily thing, and and when a person has a, a healing that is physical, that sometimes just kind of automatically uh, helps the mind to to connect. Uh, but often, I find that um, you know, just like. Uh, We just talked about with Joel, um, when we bring the spirit into the equation and, and for example, before the, um, the procedure, let's say we'll do something and, and we pray and we talk about having God's, uh, you know, his spirit involved, uh, I think uh, what happens is that the mind of the uh, individual who is healed begins to see things from a different perspective. Uh, they begin to understand that they are not in control uh, of, of their lives. That's why, um, you know, that's why they're sick. That's why they've got some infirmity, whether it's a, a physical or a mental or an emotional uh, uh, problem that needs to be healed. And so... Uh, when we start looking at people as as entire human beings as whole human beings you know with a heart and a and a spirit and a soul and and a mind and their flesh and we we look at them all wrapped up in emotions and of course, uh, years of history, or maybe there've been accidents that led to, to this, uh, or even an addiction problem that then led someone to be, um, you know, ill, uh, all of those things, I think, uh, come to bear on how the healing process influences the mind. And so I think the the the, the word that I would want to inc- include and interject here is the word called integration. So if we connect the person and instead of looking at the, you know, if I, instead of me looking at a person as this is a, an EKG that has to be fixed, okay, or a heart arrhythmia that has to be fixed. If I look at this as an individual who's having anxiety and uh, depression and relationship problems and other issues in their life uh, that is weighing on their mind because of a physical problem that they have. If I can talk to them and talk to them in a level that their mind will understand and also then bring in the spiritual aspect of this, maybe with a prayer before we do a procedure, then I think we can integrate or connect the whole person. And it's and it really when, when a person is healed, that is a state of integration. They've, they've come to a point where they feel whole physically and mentally and spiritually and emotionally. And that's really what, what I think that, that the whole sum total of all of that is, is, is a life that is then marked by peace. And that's really what we're aiming for uh, with healing. And hopefully
0: that answered Grace. I hope. I think it did. I think it did. It's interesting how um, we think about life. It's interesting how sometimes, and we began with episode one, talking about how the mind plays games on us. Today I woke up to very sad news of a good friend that went to be with the Lord, Mr. Uh, Dave James. And The last time I saw him, he was very alive teaching and uh, on on apologetics, charismatic chaos, beautiful class. He already spent uh, Valentine's with us here in Uganda because the class that he taught at the Bible Institute aligned about the same time in February uh, the 14th for about three to four consecutive Valentine's he spent that with us. And it's it's just interesting to think about life, but also to think about death. I, I'm always reminded that tomorrow is not promised. And when we talk about our minds being anxious, when we talk about our minds being worried and troubled, um, and that's why we began even with this discussion in thinking that, yes, sin brings pain and death. And sometimes the thought of us two kind of causes depression. And and yet there's so much that we are able to do. There's so much we are able to just leave out, to borrow the words of... Uh, over uh, Oswald Chambers, to live out the best that we can, utmost for his highest, that every day is an opportunity to glorify God to the max. And I want to ask Dr. John one final, very personal question, and you can choose to answer, you can choose to rephrase the question like a politician, and we can move on from there. But Dr. John, what are you looking forward to in the next 10 years? As as an individual, what is something that is that just keeps you excited about life? And then what's in your mind? We want to understand you today. What what keeps you awake in excitement for the next ten years, Doctor John?
1: Ah, uh, well, I, I'm excited about um, school, and I'm I'm a second year student now, David. I don't know since uh, Joe <laughs> was born, uh, I'm now a second year. Uh, doctoral student at uh, Denver Seminary. And so um, and, and it's not just being a student, but it's it's thinking about what we're talking about. It's it's trying to to help make sense of God and help others make sense of God. That's really what I think uh, the next 10 years for me is going to be. And and so I'm I'm uh, excited to be on the track, and I'm excited to be uh,
0: in this uh, track with you and your listeners. Amen. Well, at this point in time, let me allow you to just share with us what you have prepared for us when it comes to winning the battle of the mind, Doctor John. Once again, you are welcome to Cabin Devils
1: thanks so much david i uh i wanted to end by actually kind of picking up where we were the last uh time that we dropped off and that was uh with a uh, philippians 4 8 and 9 um, uh, quote it says finally brothers whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely commendable, if there is anything excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And so Paul here is kind of saying, this is what the mind that is at peace with God and at peace with others will look like. And, uh, and as I mentioned, when Joel asked his question, how does that work? And the answer is we can't fight in the flesh. We we have to get away from the natural tendency to fight in the flesh. And Paul said this in second Corinthians ten three through six, he says, though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. And what Paul is talking about is not, you know, pulling himself up and and willing himself in the flesh. He's acknowledging, if I try to fight in the flesh, I will be defeated. So to answer the question, how do you win? You have to recognize first and foremost, you don't win. Jesus wins, the Holy Spirit wins, and if you are connected to him, you win because he wins. And so the first thing that I would say is you have to recognize the battle in your mind. You are at war with the devil, with the world, and most importantly, you are at war with your flesh. Secondly, you have to understand how spiritual battles are fought. And that is spiritually. You can't fight a spiritual battle in your flesh. You will never win. And so uh, we're going to talk about prayer in in a greater depth when we get into the sessions in November uh, and again in December. Uh, But the idea of prayer... Uh, is central Uh, and prayer involves petition yes it's asking God God is our Abba he is our father he wants us to ask him to help us win these battles but then prayer also involves contemplation and that is us stopping talking and listening to God just listening for the still small quiet whisper of God teaching us and telling us what to do. So that is a is contemplation. The third part of prayer is what we call intercession. And it's where you now are, are, are interceding for others. And then I'd say lastly, and probably this goes first in most people's prayer life, is adoration. You adore God. You thank him for being who he is. And and so all of these different parts, it's not a formula. It's just that you have to pray because that is how spiritual battles are fought. You have to then, once you recognize I'm in a spiritual battle, you have to identify the truth regarding your problem. So sometimes your problem might be about another person. Sometimes it might be about a job or your situation, but sometimes your problem might be you. And then you have to identify what's true about the problem. And then you have to identify the lie or lies that maybe you have believed regarding your problem. So you can see why Prayer is so important. You may recognize that you're in a relationship conflict with somebody. Okay. And you might not quite understand why that is. So you need to get into prayer to understand. And and so the asking the questions, Lord, is it me? Am I the one who is causing the fracture in this relationship? Okay, Lord, what is it that I have done? What is it that I have said? Where am I causing that? And then be quiet and listen to what God is saying. You have to also, as part of this fighting spiritual battles, is to realize that you can't control anyone except you. So you don't have the ability to make someone else make choices. And again, this gets you back to prayer where you are going to acknowledge your dependence on God. You're going to realize that to fight these spiritual battles, this isn't your battle really to fight. You're not going to win. You are connecting to the Lord. You're going to, you're going to be there with him as he fights this battle. And then I'd say, uh, lastly, you need to learn the value of suffering well. And uh, we, we talked in, in Romans uh, 7, and, and I read you the first eight verses of Romans 8, where we, where we said the key to fighting and winning against the flesh is the spirit. But part of the key to fighting and winning in the spirit is learning that your flesh is, is going to suffer and that suffering is part of the winning of the battle. And so in Romans eight, I'm gonna read a little bit further down and and Paul's gonna tell us how the spirit of God works in this, but then also how the sufferings and the flesh work in this too. So Romans eight and nine says, you however are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life, Than heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And then Paul goes on a little further in Romans 8:18. 8, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory of that is to be revealed to us. And so that's why I said part of spiritual warfare, part of the spiritual battle is learning how to suffer well. If you fight your spiritual battles in the flesh, you will naturally want to vindicate yourself. You want to be right. You want the other person to be wrong. You want them to suffer. You don't want to suffer, but the spirit-filled response is even if you're being wronged, even if you're being persecuted, even if you're being abandoned or deserted or slandered, your job is to suffer well. And it's where he says the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. A little further down in Romans 8.26, Paul says this, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings, too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And verse 28, and this is where you underline, it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And so that's one of the key things is when you're in a spiritual battle, even if it looks like you're being bloodied and battered and uh, wrongly uh, accused and all of those things, you don't have to be vindicated what what in this spiritual battle in this battlefield the 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 it's it's not so important that you come out as a winner or or that you become right okay in uh, one of the books that i've studied here by kurt thompson uh, it says christianity is not about being right it's about being loved And I would also include it's about being loving and being loved. So the idea of how we win, it's it's not how the world wins. It's not beating the other person into uh, submission so that they will uh, listen and and understand and, and perfectly well see things from your perspective. That isn't what we're necessarily after. If we look down just a bit further in this Romans 8 passage, Paul says it this way. He says, As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So how do you win? And the answer is you win by being in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to take you to two more passages and we've just got a short uh, time and then I'll answer any questions at the end to really underscore this idea that you don't win spiritual battles in Ephesians chapter six, when Paul lists how to fight spiritual battles, he starts out like this. Finally, This is verse 10, Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You see right there, Paul's acknowledging this is not in your strength. It's not in your might. There's nothing that you can do to win this battle. He says, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And here it is, the devil's bringing this battle against you. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. He says, stand firm, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, the gospel of peace in all circumstances, Paul says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. And he says to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And what you see there, is not not just that Paul gives us this armor he talks about specifically what we talked about is that prayer is the battle the prayer that we pray at all times in the spirit is what is winning and it's and it's in that that we can have victory and finally David I'll end with 1 Corinthians 2 Uh, seven through nine and down through 16, because this is what, when it comes to understanding how our minds work with all this, it's actually been hidden from us. We haven't understood it well. Uh, The world has no concept to understand, but it starts like this in 1 Corinthians 2, 7. Paul says, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And finally, the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? And then Paul says, but we have the mind of Christ. And so that's the key is that we have to look at though our battlefield, our mind is is this battlefield that's going on. If we align with the spirit, if we uh, walk in the spirit, if we are connected to our Lord Jesus, then we have his mind and it's his mind that wins the battle every time.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, How often, Dr. John, do you pray? Um, Do you have a list of prayer requests uh, that you list down. What is your discipline uh, on prayer? How do you practice prayer? I think that's the better question to ask. How how do you practice prayer? Because in everything you have talked about, one of the things you really, really emphasized, which I would look at as the red line cutting through all of this is, number one, and we began this with, uh, with Joel's question, we cannot win. Um, I don't know if I'm going to botch this, but we can't pull ourselves by the, what What do you call them? The bootstraps? Bootstraps, yes. Yes, we can't, we can't. And I, I think we fail so much because we try to do it on our own. And And all the verses you've talked about, even the one we just ended with, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? And he says, but we have the mind of Christ. And and I think he yes he speaks to us through his word, but we depend on him in prayer. And I, I'm not trying to imply that there's a particular method of prayer that works. I think the Bible does teach so much concerning prayer, but I also want to believe that a prayerless person is doomed for failure because they're trying to depend on themselves. But we want to learn from you. Um, how how do you practice prayer? How how what have you found to be helpful? And I remember, I think it was either episode one or two this week, where you talked about a moment when you're praying and you talked about distraction, that sometimes we are distracted, uh, even at the point when we are praying. But yeah, just share with us. What are some of the practices you found helpful as you pray? Thank you, David. Yeah,
1: I I would say I am a work in progress when it comes to prayer. I, I need to pray more, but I will say one of the books that has been very helpful for me in understanding prayer is a book called Into the Silent Land, and the author is Martin Laird. So the book is Into the Silent Land, Martin Laird. And he is a, he's a, a, a Christian who teaches contemplation. Uh, one of the things that's really important, and I think as I grew up as a Christian, I was taught that prayer is talking to God. And I think it's okay to, to teach uh, children that prayer is talking to God, but I think it misses the point because most of all, our minds are instructed when we're listening to God rather than talking to him. And so I believe that our listening time should be at least as long as our talking time. Uh, and so I, have, I do have long prayer lists. You and Grace and your family are on there. I do pray intercessory prayer. Uh, But I think increasingly in my prayer habit, I'm beginning to practice this prayer of contemplation that Martin Laird talks about, which is uh, trying to get rid of all of the distractions and not, you know, not have social media, not have uh, even music, just maybe a candle lit in a quiet room where the door is closed and, and a quiet communion Uh, with God and, 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 you know, sitting in a chair uh, in a comfortable way, uh, taking deep breaths, being aware of God's presence, because the point of all of this, David, is that when the heart transplant has occurred, God is in you. He's, he's, he's in your heart. He's there. So you don't have to go looking for him. Uh, you're, you're, the main challenge for you and your listeners is to block the world out so that the world doesn't, uh, you know, drown God out. And so um, I, I find that, that when we think about, for example, the, the model prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer uh, in Matthew 6, where Jesus says, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be, thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know, those are the kinds of things, thy kingdom, thy will, thy kingdom, thy will. The the way that we think of those words, because the the main thing that our flesh is saying to us day after day after day is, is, I want my kingdom to come. I want my will to be done. And so there's a conflict there. And the more that I can align myself with God in his plan, in his will, the more I will realize that his will is the will that's so much better for me than even what I think my will is. And there have been some studies that suggest uh, that if you spend between, let's say, 10 and 15 minutes in prayer each day. So this isn't hours and hours. It's maybe uh, five or 10 minutes, you know, two or maybe three times a day where you would go in and close the door and, and practice getting silent there before God. That can change the brain to such an extent that actually brain scans can Uh, change so that people are developing increased activity on their scans in areas that correlate with things like compassion, empathy, sensitivity to others and, and these kinds of things. So your brain actually rewires as you are practicing this kind of prayer and so it's it's we 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 know that prayer changes us and it's as we are are being changed by the prayer that our minds are being transformed
0: mm. thank you thank you i mean it takes it takes a lot of uh, discipline um to be able to practice the biblical principles, especially when it comes to prayer and the total dependence uh, on God. But since we began this show by using analogies like bootstraps and uh, pulling yourself, let me let me use one more. shooting yourself in the foot and this is why. because when we began today we we began with Joel um, asking about the things he tried to do. Um, so as not to repeat um, his mistakes. Um, And and I think it's not just Joel, it's all of us. It is all of us. We, We try to get certain things done and we hope that maybe that will help. And so in the process of choosing how to practice godliness and not wanting to do it in our own strength, it seems like we end up um, not confused, I don't know what the word is. Maybe let me ask it this way, how do you know that now I'm doing this out of my own strength? And how do you know this is just a matter of the practice of godliness? Because if you look at the Pharisees, I don't want to get into the whole legalistic approach of things, but the the Pharisees were very good at uh, obeying the law, they were very good at wanting to follow it. And Dr. John, how do you know the difference? Uh, because when when Joel was starting out, it sounded like he wants to practice certain things. It says, "I want to spend time in God's word. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this, so that I can find freedom and victory in these areas." And yet, it didn't happen. And and that represents, I think, most of us who are listening in tonight. And here we are talking about prayer. And uh, I, I just asked a similar question, the previous question I asked on how do you practice prayer. But as you were answering, I felt like, oh man. It sounds like now we're going back to actions and thinking, if I do this and do that, then I can be able to find victory. How 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 do you find yourself? How do you manage to disentangle yourself from what may seem like confusion right now? And the more I talk about it, the more confused I sound. Dr. John, please help. <laughs> yeah David it gets it 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 makes your mind spin when you think
1: about this and I think that's why we need to attend our minds to this. Uh, we need to be thinking the thoughts of God when God is thinking thoughts of us and and we need to be aware, That we're in his presence and that our thoughts are akin to his thoughts what if when we slip into the flesh usually it's a version of i don't want to struggle with this sin anymore because i want to be better i want to feel better you know i want to be a good christian so i'm going to stop doing these things that i know a good christian doesn't do well, if I'm, if those are my motivations, then my goal is really for me. I'm looking at this in a way that I want to do this. And I may say that I'm, I'm doing it for God, but really my main motivation is that, so I quit struggling. I don't want to struggle in these areas. And so I want God to give me relief so that I stop struggling. And I'll even try harder to stop struggling and that will make my struggle even worse. And so the main thing that we have to do is to is to quiet ourselves to understand that we can't fight these spiritual battles. We're not going to fight them. And and even and and I think really the key is when we have Uh, strongholds or besetting sin or issues that impact us or those in our uh, close circle, our family, friends, uh, churches, you know, we have to come alongside and just pray that God will remove that, that God will win. God, Jesus has already paid for the penalty. And, and I think involving him and being aware of the fact that when I choose to sin, he's right there in my heart while I'm choosing to sin. He's right there with me all the time. And, and the more that I'm aware of his presence, um, there's, a, there's another book, a, a contemplation book called, uh, written by Brother Lawrence, and uh, this is called Practicing the Presence of God. And that's, a, that's just being aware of him being there all the time. So once you have had the heart transplant, once Christ dwells in you, your main job is to be in a constant communication with him so just like we talked about at the end of ephesians 6:10 praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication keeping alert with perseverance and making supplication for the saints so it's 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 focusing not on the sin or the action or the thing that is is besetting but focusing on the lord and then focusing my efforts on On making me aware of his constant presence. Because, and, and, you know, and this is the issue when we talk about the flesh. If I'm aware of the presence of the Lord all of the time, then sin doesn't have nearly the appeal that it had before
0: I was aware of his presence all the time. I think it's Jerry Bridges that uh, did emphasize that point, and he pointed out that sometimes we are frustrated when we sin, mostly because we have failed, not because we have disobeyed God. And I think that that kind of brings, yes, the whole picture into perspective. But thank you. Thank you so much. to I'm looking forward to our time together uh, coming next month. But ladies and gentlemen, I've always, always wanted to say this. If you want details concerning uh, what's going to be coming up, concerning any updates, just go to carbondevils.com. Why? Because today we were able to launch our website it's not, it's not completely dry. It's still wet for most of the parts, but we're getting it fixed as we go on. And if you have any ideas of how to make it better, please just send me a WhatsApp or send me an email at david at And I'll be able to put whatever feature you would like to see on that website. Our goal is that we'll keep adding value to what we are doing. It's it's going to be more than a live podcast. We want to have a ministry with you. We want to have a connection with you in any way possible. Why? Because we are a family of believers. I also want to remind us we are not a church. We're just simply ordinary believers who are coming together to share a couple of verses together, encourage one another just before we go to bed. Cabin Devils, your number one live podcast. Thank you so much for being here. There's one other slide that I added last moment that I would not even thought much about. And so just check out the website and let me know on how we can make it better. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, piece of tool that we can use to be connected. CarbonDevils.com is the place to be. Uh, One of the goals that we have as Carbon Devils is to be able to just make the search engine very, very easy for you. That if you're looking for a podcast, you shouldn't be searching all over for it. It should be easy for you to find. And majority of the podcasts that you've posted so far uh, for Dr. John, and so if you open one of them, you will see his name. If you click his name, it will be able to show you all the podcasts that he has done. The ones for this week will be available, hopefully by the end of Monday, by the end of Monday. And uh, by that, mean, I mean, maybe it could be tomorrow, it could be tonight, it could be very soon, but by the end of Monday, you'll have these three properly edited. I wanted to produce them as a, as a bunch, as a, together, all the three, not just one at a time, but all the other six are available on carbondevils.com. Please check it out and then recommend your friends. The f- Final thing you really, really have to do is do not leave the website without subscribing to receive the weekly updates. That will be the last call to action that you see at the bottom on the slides, right there. At the top, you'll see it there's Apple Podcast, there's Podbin, and then they subscribe. Please give us your email address so we can send you weekly updates of what's going on here at Cabin Devils. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for being here. It is 15 past 10 here in Uganda. I'm grateful that you guys managed to tune in. Dr. John, would you like to close for us in prayer or if you have any final thoughts, uh, please go ahead and share with us and then uh, we will end the show. Any final thoughts or would you kindly close for us in prayer as we go to bed, as you continue the rest of your day? Sure, David, (laughs) yes. I, I am thrilled again to
1: to meet with you and and your group there and I'm glad that the uh, that the site is is going to be up that's exciting you know that I'm still praying David that by the end of this year all of your um, all of your needs will be met the financial needs for the website for your ministry and all that so that's a, a constant prayer for me and I'm 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 committed and feeling that, uh, that this is something the Lord uh, is, is honored by. So again, thank you all for your questions. Uh, I look forward to meeting with you in uh, November. Lord, we thank you for this time uh, that across the globe uh, from uh, at least uh, Florida to Africa and beyond. I thank you for our friends in Ghana and Rwanda and uh, around the world that have experienced this uh, discussion, uh, Lord, I thank you for the minds that you have given us—minds that are able to uh, freely think and freely choose and uh, and and understand things. Uh, I thank you that. The relationship that we have with you is not one that's easy to understand, but that requires our attention and our engagement. And uh, I thank you that you have uh, graciously drawn us to yourself and and given us a heart transplant so that we can not just understand, but actually experience your love. So I pray that in the weeks and the months that uh, go, Uh, on from here, that you would be transforming us by the power of your spirit, that you would help us to increasingly recognize uh, the desires of our flesh and uh, the wiles of Satan and the devil, his uh, plans and also this world system that is so good at, at distracting us and diverting us. So, Lord, help keep our minds focused. Uh, thank you again for David and Grace and the Tibidier family. Uh, we, we lift up uh, their mission to you uh, as well tonight. And Lord, we thank you again for the privilege that you've called us to. Thank you for the kingdom to come. Uh, but in this world and at this time, we pray that you would
0: light our paths and find us to be faithful to walk it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much, Dr. John. Hope to see you again in November. Dr. John, the rest of us, I'll see you guys soon. Have a beautiful night. May God bless you.